0: Welcome to the Sleeping Barber Podcast.
1: On the show today, we have John Mowat. He's the managing director of Hurricane, a video first agency, and author of Video Marketing. We get into the nuts and bolts on how video can help you drive sales and build your brand. Enjoy the show.
0: Welcome to the Sleeping Barber Podcast, a place for business leaders to get the best and most credible information on marketing, strategy, and innovation. Your hosts, Mark Binkley and Vasilis Douros, share their experiences as they gather insights from the world's leading experts. Now, on with the show.
2: Today, we have a great show lined up for you. We're going to be talking about the most powerful tool in the advertising toolbox. And you didn't even know it it's video. To help us dive into this topic, we've invited John Mowat, author of Video Marketing. Who is now, in, I believe in the second edition. Is that right, John? It is. Yeah, it is. Awesome, John. Welcome to the show. We're really excited to have you here.
0: Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. It's great. Thank you.
2: I have to say, the book is phenomenal. Um, Mark and I kept and we, we were comparing notes uh, initially, but you know, I'm not sure if you've actually realized this, but we've cre- you've created this amazing resource for advertisers and practitioners alike. You you literally cover everything from video strategy, how to create great videos, even going into the details of the equipment that you need. What an amazing resource.
0: Well, thank you very much. That explains why it took me so long to write it, I think.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, for many of you that may not know who John is, he's one of the world's leading experts in video marketing, having created campaigns for global brands, international charities, and even UN organizations as well. He's also directed award-winning TV documentaries, including The Gulf War, if I'm not mistaken, for the BBC. Now, off the bat, we have to ask, do you have any good stories from shooting those
0: documentaries? I mean I was very lucky I spent my twenties uh traveling the world going to all sorts of countries but there was if you want one story this is one of my favorite stories um, <laughs> so um, the the uk and u s forces went into Basra during the um invasion or liberation of of of, Iraq, of Kuwait as, as Iraq as we go in there um, mm-hmm. it, and basically the, I was the first um, I was the first cameraman into saddam's palace in Basra um, so wow. I went in with sort of the frontline troops I'd like to say with them I was 20 foot behind them, hide behind a wall. But, um, you know, I went in there and then about a day later when the fighting had died down, um, I realized that sort of mementos were being taken from this poor palace, which I suppose you're not technically meant to do, but um, you know, the Marines were like, look, here's get, get your leatherman out, get your little screwdriver we're out take a memento. Um, and that is why in my kitchen, I have Saddam Hussein's towel rail, um, which is propping up my tea towels. <laughs> That's got to be amazing. It's, that's, I'm not quite sure if it's legal, but uh, it's um, it's a good memento. But what a what, what a good store. store! I've got loads of them as well. That's amazing. That's amazing. I I got nothing
2: like that. Sorry, loads of towel racks or loads of great stuff.
0: <laughs> I got a towel rack from everywhere I've ever invaded. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, well, let's, let, let's let's get right into it. You know, we're we're genuinely really excited about this topic. I think you know when we're looking at video content creation and whatnot, it is becoming somewhat more um, utilized more than ever before. It, I don't want to say it's become easier. I still believe it's one of the most difficult things to do the right way. But you know, you, we made a bold statement just up off the front there, saying that video is the most powerful tool advertisers have ever had. Now, how about we spend some time with that? What makes video so unique for you,
0: John? Yeah, I mean, it's quite a bold statement, isn't it? Because you're kind of saying, well, it's bigger than TV advertising and it's and it's bigger than. But I think actually it's the most powerful thing we've ever had to find specific people and to change their behavior. So, yes, OK, if you've got millions and millions of dollars, you can run a TV campaign and it will have an impact. But in terms of Brilliant. like bang bang for your buck we have a specific kind of person and we want to target them with a bit of content which is going to do a number of things emotionally engage them get them to change their mind and get them to change their behavior and allow us to measure it and <laughs> enable us to retarget them it's like yeah it's that mm-hmm. that's why it's so good you know
1: go the, ahead mark the, the yeah the content part like i've it's interesting cuz oftentimes you think about the channel as the targeting tool but in a lot of ways the content could be the targeting tool yeah and 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 i think that's especially true with video because you've got more opportunities to find i always think about finding the mutants like from the Mm -hmm. x-men um you know they're out there you just got to find them and so like the way you tell the stories can help you also find people and target the right people.
0: yeah i mean look we're going to be doing a deep dive today so these are the things we're definitely looking forward to getting into but that you're absolutely right mm-hmm. that ability to tell a specific engaging story to, to specific types of people is is something we've never seen before um in in this scale definitely mm-hmm. but i'm all for it because i've written a book on it so what do you expect but uh <laughs> you know i i, I genuinely I really do believe it is that powerful
2: <laughs> You know, it's it's funny because the media landscape has evolved quite considerably. You know, if you think about it, in in, in the context of, you know, the the actual m- medium itself. So, you know, every brand has now become a publisher as well as an advertiser, and you have this opportunity to do so. Is that the reason why you believe video is is so powerful, or does it even go deeper than that?
0: Um, well, I think video works across that. You know, we're going to start talking sales funnel, guys. We're 10 minutes in. It's starting to think about. <laughs> we already if you, started. If you, if you If you're looking at that, you know, contemporary sales funnel rather than the sort of tri- tra- traditional sort of upside down pyramid shape. But, you know, it's narrow at the top where you're putting digital, you're putting leads in. That's your awareness. Consideration mm-hmm. phase where big fat people are hanging around in there for months, if not years. And then we've got to sort of drive them to do action. So video works as an awareness tool at the top, whether that's being like for search. Or like brand campaigns, it works in the middle of the funnel when you're trying to do like um, ex- explain what you're trying to do, or sort of show behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And then it's also really good at like telling people right at the bottom of the funnel, look, you got twenty percent off, you got ten percent off, do it now. Or right. FOMO drivers, or yeah. you know, finding out whatever is that last obstacle to purchase. So it, it's interesting because it's the first time we've ever used a particular medium through all of those things and talked about the medium itself rather than the maybe the tactic or the strategy or the you know it's just it's a tool but you can use it at any point in the in the process mm-hmm. you know you're not going to run a radio documentary at the top of the funnel but you know you could run a t you could run a, a video ad there so i think it just gives you um a, a lot of things and i think if we just look at the scale of it as well you know there's a million minutes of video across the internet every second, you know, and that means that in one minute, mm-hmm. there's 347 million YouTube videos being watched and 167 million TikTok. I mean, the scale of mm-hmm. this thing. But also, that's the downside as well, right? How do you make a noise yeah. amongst all this this yeah. thing? But that's the point of today is is to help is help people understand how to do that.
1: <laughs> the, it will, and it's interesting too that you mentioned like you know all the different channels and platforms because it's it's not like it used to be. Just a TV mm-hmm. thing. And and when I mean TV, I mean like brought to you by a cable mm-hmm, provider. Right. I mean, it's maybe a little bit different. BBC probably in the UK, but in Canada, um, there's Rogers, there's Shaw, and there's like just different channel providers that give you the pipes to get the content on your television set. Yes. That were traditional broadcasters. And and it's different now. And it's not just about mobile access through digital channels anymore right
0: yeah i mean it's 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 really what is really interesting i think is as you were just touching on there like it used to be you had content and then which people wanted to watch right and then in the middle of that you would stick things they don't want to watch it's been sort of described as a sort of um uh, an unpleasant floating object in the swimming pool it's like you swim into it you don't want it it's like it's in the way there's a more less delicate word for what it is floating in the pool um which people have used um but you know this idea that you used to watch a stream of content then an ad would come in And it's completely changed now. Suddenly it's we're making content that is the pool. You know, it's people want to go and swim in it because it's exciting. If you just look at what's, for example, being changed by TikTok, not only are people now, brands having to make content that people want to watch because they're not really interested in adverts, TikTok is is demanding what that content looks like and the tone of it and how it's put across and the format. Because Mm -hmm. the platform is dictating the content, not the advertiser saying, I've got a 30 second spot, I'm going to do what I want.
1: Hmm. It's, yeah, it's a
0: changing world. Yeah, you know that's funny, and
2: you, we you talked about this just a little bit earlier, and maybe it was actually it was Mark, but you, when we look at video, we just, we said that it, you know it, it used to be something that it came just through your TV. The problem, sorry, not the problem. The reality is because there's so many new ways to do this and get video out in front of people. You talked, you talked about YouTube. TikToks, just a million views that we're seeing. There are 167 million TikToks. Like, what is going on there? I still don't understand the platform, and I think we're going to touch on it a little bit later. Yeah, but showing just, your age, something just blows. Yeah, I am showing my age, um, but it blows my mm-hmm. mind in terms of how how fast that that grew. Mm-hmm. But it, it is unique when you think about video and its ability to touch on those multiple points in the consumer decision journey, or call it the funnel, whatnot. You know, the the awareness and consideration you're seeing more and more videos come out with the, the sale now, the hook at the end. So either you've been remarketed or retargeted based on something and that's like, Hey, here's your 30% off or whatever the case, there's not a lot of channels that can speak to each of those points in, in the same way. Um, so what is the, then the key to be super effective in, in that, in that space? How do you use video across those touch points? Is there one touch point that's better than the other? In your opinion,
0: where, where, do, where would someone start potentially? This is, a, this is where we launch off into the big questions. Right? I, love, I love this stuff. So I think it's really easy to talk about video, right? Video is a, I mean, what is that? It's a piece of moving film. It's a, it's a sort of animation. It's like stuff moving on screen. What we're talking about here is a, a, a discipline called video marketing, which is, it's not just a video, right? Video marketing is, it's about data-driven insights, you know, creating mm-hmm. video content across multiple channels with multiple audiences. And it's about thinking about how to use the sales funnel and using video across that sales funnel to create um, solutions to problems and to drive brand growth. So it's not just like, here's a film. Video marketing is a whole mm-hmm. new discipline of like, right, I need to get people in the awareness phase. I need to do 15 second ads. Um, everyone knows who I am, but they don't buy anything. Right, I'm going to do a five minute explainer that shows our passion and our values it's if video marketing is is around using all those normal marketing tools that you have identifying all the problems but applying moving image to solve the problem because we know that moving image is probably going to solve the problem better than a print ad or uh, any other type of campaign so it's like it's it's an, i'm afraid it's a whole new thing that people have got their get their head round. and it probably the exciting thing for me is that it used to be uh, you know in a company you'd have um, the marketing person and then they were joined on the board table by maybe the, the seo person or you know they would and then but now like the video person the video content is on that board table for a number of reasons one it's really effective but two it does suck up a lot of budget and suddenly the board are going hang on a minute this is a million dollar campaign going out here yeah and, you know we need to bring you in so suddenly it's not just a method it's a whole mindset and technique and that's where the book comes in and it's about how do you mm-hmm. embrace that
1: I I feel like V and I used to work together, and um, we had this thing called Social Flyer, and the idea at the time was we're replacing print flyer with social media posts, which is just a single image ad. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but you take this idea of an old medium, let's mm-hmm. call it, and then or or tactic like print and, and a flyer concept and then you put it in a digital space and i feel like we're kind of that infancy stage still with video where it used to be either infomercials at late late at night or a brand piece that was really highly emotive Mm -hmm. because of you know the, the platform of mostly just the pipes being delivered delivery pipes being tv sets now you've got all kinds of different ways to deliver the medium on digital channels, and it—I feel like it's an—it's evolving what that means for video, mm-hmm. because it's no longer just a binary infomercial or a brand piece. It can be both, and a whole bunch of combinations there that I haven't, we haven't even. Talked yeah,
0: about. I mean, I think I think the idea that the video is just a TV com- TV commercial on a different social channel is. You know, that's blown out of the water right now. So, yes, you do still have those 30 second spots, but you're much more likely to have um, something much more niche where you're targeting specific problems. I mean, some of the best successes we've had is making content to answer questions that are Googled. Like, you know, we did a big thing about. um, how to get rid of fleas for good. We're working with a company that makes pet, pet food, sort of medicines and stuff, pet medicines. And, um, we knew that a big search term was how do I get rid of fleas for good? Because they keep coming back, made a film called that. They've had, you know, quarter of a million organic views because they're just answering the question mm-hmm. and those organic views are on their website. And at the end of it, it says buy yeah, the product. Right. So it's like, that's a 30 second TV spots never used to think like that, right? It's just a—it's just a completely yeah. new way of of answering consumer questions when they have them.
1: Yeah, and you're not restricted to time if it's on somebody's
2: website.
0: No, I mean the, the number one thing I'm asked all the time is how long should a video be, which is just like <laughs> it is the classic piece of string thing. But it's it, different parts <laughs> of the funnel. Yeah, it is. And I literally, if I'm asked that in a conference, my eyes roll because it's like, well, you know, somewhere between great two seconds. question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The, the two questions I'm asked most are, um, how long should a video be? And how do I do it with no money? Those are the two sort of <laughs> two things. And, you know, I mean, this is a difficult answer for both of those questions, really. But um, you, can, sir, you, can, you can do it. But yes, uh, duration is vital. I mean, on TikTok at the moment, it's really interesting. If you make a video from 7 to 11 seconds... from sort of 14 to 21 it'll do well but for some reason 11 12 13 seconds are just like a graveyard and just don't perform well and it's like that's mental so we used to talk about absolute duration and now it's like windows of duration and it depends on where you are in the sales funnel um top of the sales funnel is typically much shorter um, and bottom of the sales funnel is you know two hour webinars you know
1: yeah yeah super interesting because like every the context of the the where the video is placed matters more for the length yeah. than the the, the 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 just absolute length of the video.
0: Honestly. Yeah, I mean, I, I talk about um, you know we talk about where people are watching and where people watching isn't actually just the platform they're on; it's physically where they are. So you know, if you imagine mm-hmm. you you get up in the morning, you're running out, you're jumping on the bus or jumping in a taxi you've maybe got your brain has got some time to flick through some instagram stories or some or, you know some some tiktoks mm-hmm. but short punchy we exist messages when you get to work and you're sat at your desk you're going to google you know business related problems but mm-hmm. then when you get when you get home suddenly your phone switch switches from being vertical to typically landscape so it's it moves to a fixed format mm-hmm. and our attention moves to long form content on youtube and netflix so it's like which platform mm-hmm. where in the day Physically, where are they? All these nuances make a massive difference to performance.
1: It's interesting because I like what the Ukraine war and all that kind of stuff going on. I've been watching clips from news shows at night in bed, vertical, or sorry, horizontal. Hmm. But sound off because I don't want to wake up my wife, and I will only pick the videos with the closed captioning on
0: it. If you are looking for a way to stress yourself in life, going to sleep watching pictures, videos of the Ukraine <laughs> war would be—it's like—it's <laughs> it's can't there. think of way worse to go to sleep. But yeah, I mean, we we're, we're all doing it, right? We're all doing it. Um, I mean, I saw a good funny thing the other day. It was like, I don't watch TikToks. I watch Instagram story screen grabs of TikToks that were popular two weeks ago because I'm old. You know, it's like, it's just, we're all, you know, just slightly behind the curve. TikTok and Instagram, or Instagram and YouTube at the moment, appear to me to be mostly full of screen grabs of TikTok from two weeks ago. And it's almost like this channel Mm. is so big. It's also providing the most of the content for these other channels. So that's why they're so worried. I was
2: reading somewhere, and I, I could be mistaken, um, where Instagram is, is is getting worried about the, I guess, the new behavior that's being, um, you know, shown on their on their platforms, where it's moving more to the the short form video, if you will, through like the reels mm-hmm. versus the feed. So spe- people are spending more time in reels, less time on feed, which is making the advertising platform aspect of it a lot more difficult because people aren't spending time in feed. And that's where a lot of their, I guess, if you will, their their engine was based from a targeting perspective when it came to, you know, ads, mm-hmm. not as much on the real side if um, right now. But it is it is interesting that it has been dated with all of the, you know, the TikTok reels that just being – because you can still see mm-hmm. that little thumbnail there on
0: the bottom right. Um, so yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, the is 1.1 billion at the moment. Instagram is about That's 1.2 nuts. users. So Instagram is going to be fourth within months. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, quite rightly yeah. it is worried. Yeah. But you know, I think TikTok's one of those things that everyone's talking about at the moment, but it is only a slice of the pie, right? It's, um, it's, it's, yeah. it's the, it's,
1: it's, the yeah. Well, it, it's an interesting point too, because it is a slice of the pie, but it, I think that's part of what makes video so complicated because it used to just be like, well, we'll build a 30 and it's going to go on Mm. TV. Yeah. But now you've got TV, you've got Instagram, you've got TikTok, you've got YouTube and you've got square, you've got vertical, you've got horizontal. Like there's all Mm. these different formats, which I think short circuits, a lot of people's brains when they're trying to figure out how to build the content and where to put it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not video marketing. I don't think is difficult, but it's complex you know i think those are the two once you've got the basic principles yeah. of we need to make an emotional connection with someone we need to understand our target audience we need to drive behavior they're those kind of basic principles and but it's mental so my you know my video marketing planner it has you know it's a big mm-hmm. spreadsheet and if i'm starting from scratch with a brand i have four phases vertically which is awareness consideration action retention and then into those mm-hmm. pillars i'll have Different types of content, whether it be hero, hub, help content, then you've mm-hmm. got how you're going to activate those through paid or social. Then we have all the key, you know, it's like it, it just exponentially gets wider. Um, and that's why people mm-hmm. can freak out, right? But once you start mapping it out, mm-hmm. you can use the same assets overall. But we used to deliver one 16 by nine film on a DVD. That's how old I am. Mm-hmm. And now we're delivering typically 22 assets for any one thing because we've got captions, closed captions, reversions, languages, you know, it's. That's just what it is now. You need to you need to reversion stuff.
1: So how how important is it for your video planner tool? Would you say how important is that part? Pre planning your video shoot? Because it's it seems like if you don't do it, you're you're not taking advantage of the investment. Yeah, I mean
0: Okay, I'm, I'm just wondering where I start my rant now because it's like, you know, the. Yeah, yeah, it's like, okay, <laughs> step so, on that soapbox. Where do I start with the thing? So, the three key parts of, of, of video are planning, production, and activation. So, you know, the production's the obvious one, right? It's just going to make some cool stuff. We could talk about that, but it starts with planning. So, you. If you don't want to waste your money, you need to start with clear goals. You know, where in the sales funnel or whatever you call it, have we got a problem? Is it I have an awareness problem? Is it that people aren't converting? You know, once you've got those goals, then you can start mapping out how are you going to activate it? How do I reach my audience? And only then do you start making these things. So just, just rolling it back, I was just going to give some sort of helpful, you know, some sort of vaguely framework of people so they can start planning stuff. Um, did you hear that very loud mm-hmm. car there by the way? I do apologize for that just having a backfire okay. so we 've talked about uh, we talked about one model already, which is like the digital sales funnel right you, you can under, everyone I think can understand that, but onto that we need to lay what I call the h h h g model so this is based on youtube 's hero hub help hero hub hygiene model but i 've also mm-hmm. got a go in there so there 's four mm-hmm. types of content right firstly hero content this is Felix Baumgarter jumping out of. Um, a spaceship and, and, and coming down to earth on a, on a parachute, mm-hmm. right? It's like emotional brand messaging. It's, it's your 32nd TV ad. We all understand that, but mm-hmm. then you've got hub content. And the reason it's hub content is people come back to watch it on the time. It's like a, it's like a, a series. So this might be a series of interviews on your website, And that answers a completely different Mm -hmm. problem. Hero is about raising awareness. Hub content is about solving, you know, answering more questions. And then underneath that, we have help Mm -hmm. content, which does what it says on the tin. It's answering problems. It's finding solutions. It's driving people towards conversion. And then go content is like those short ads, which we put out on, on Insta or social, or even through your email saying there's money off or, or, you know, this is what you can do to get over the line. So your plan Mm -hmm. has to start with what's my goal, right? Right where is, where is the problem in the sales funnel and which one mm-hmm. of these hero hub help go films is going to solve that problem. Because if you've got mm-hmm. a conversion problem, spanking all your money on a shiny 32nd brand film is going to do bugger all. It's, you know, it's not going to make mm-hmm. any difference. Whereas if you've got this amazing mid funnel content sat on your website, three hours worth of interviews and stuff, but nobody knows who you are. That's a waste of money too. You need mm-hmm. to do a 15 second paid ad. Um, so mm-hmm. in the long answer to your question, planning is absolutely vital. Um, and alongside that, I'm going to use my analogy of a spork, which is um, one of these things you eat with. And, you know, it's a rubbish spoon and a rubbish fork. If you set out to make (laughs) something which is two things, it's going to be crap at both of them. Um, So, you know, it's about which one of these audiences is the most important, which one of my objectives is more important. I'm going to make the right tool for that job. And if I need a spoon for something else, Mm. I'll make a spoon. I can talk, I, I yeah, rant about a, that argument particularly because you go to these meetings and they're like, oh, and it's got to say this and it's got to say that and it's got to hit this audience. And it's well, like, yeah. no, it's not going to work.
1: Yeah, there's some research that I saw not long ago. I, I can't remember who it was from, but it might be the IPA or Les Burnett, But um, basically the, 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 the gist of it is that the more messages you try and cram into a, a, a video, the less people remember Mm. yeah so it kind of feels like what you're saying is like if your goal and objective is to raise awareness do something that's going to raise awareness instead of trying to raise awareness and educate people and convert them and answer all their objections
0: and all those other things and mention what the hr team do because we don't want to leave them out you know it's like we just yeah It's about being precise in your task. Um, The only time I would, I like to say that at any point in the funnel, you need a, you need a film that's specifically going to answer that problem. The only exception is like a brand film or something where you, you, you use a structure called EFA, which is emotion, fact, and action. And you, you need to start with that emotional connection at the beginning of like, why do people care? And then once you've done that, you can do some facts and we say no more than three facts. I mean, it's always longer because people say more. But you go emotion, three facts, which are very core cool to the central thing, and then do something. That is how you make a strong brand hmm. film. The more facts you put in the middle, the less people get to the end. That's the bottom line. So it's less is definitely more.
1: Is there an example of, uh, like, for us to build a link yeah, to? Yeah, show uh, full,
0: of, full of them. Yeah. yeah. I can give you an example to a yeah, great, great. For Airbus that we made. And the emotion, it's, you know, it's Airbus defense and space. So it's, it's very corporate, but it, it really shows that kind of emotional opening, then some facts and then some action. But you'll notice when you watch it that the middle bit's been written by committee and it's too long and you'll just drift off and you go, yeah. oh, if they took out that and that and that, I'd care and I'd get to the end. Um, but we also mm. work with um Shelter, which is a, a homeless charity in the UK. And we do the same with them. We do if we're filming a case study of a homeless person, we, we I'll start again, they've got four key audiences. Um, female urban, uh, sort of middle-aged female urban people, um, mm-hmm. Gen Z, um, young male millennials and young sort of female millennials. So what we've actually realized is when we make a film, we'll make a film about that target audience so it resonates with them mm-hmm. but also make them, make the viewer realize it, it there's some way to connect with them. So we, for example, when we're making a film for the sort of the 40 year old male target audience. We did a film about a guy who lost his home when he was 38, having had a job all his life and now he's homeless and and Shelter got him his job back. So that emotional connection at the beginning is definitely there because you get it. But then there was three facts about what Shelter did for him. And then the action was, if you want to help more people like this donate now, so you still, Mm -hmm. I can send you examples to those as well because you have to make that connection then you have to tell people stuff and then you have to make them do something. Mm-hmm.
2: Mark and I were, were talking to, I don't remember, it was, it was in a previous podcast and we were, we were kind of talking about not only video, but how do you make sure that you're you're creating that emotional connection in, in your video? And I think sometimes all too often advertisers get caught up into what kind of emotion that the video is trying to elicit mm. and i think at the end of the day it's trying to have it does you don't have to make everybody cry but you have to try to find a way to create a connection and i think everyone's going for these these big tearjerker kind of um emotional connections in their videos and sometimes it's just a complete mess Um, Because you're trying to focus on one emotion that you're trying to to elicit, because we feel like that naturally has a a higher affinity. What would you say to advertisers that are looking to go down that route? That route of finding that emotional connection. Is there a specific emotion that you should be trying to narrow in on? Is there, you know, what's your
0: guidance on that? Finding that connection is the big thing, right? So understanding your audience is vital. I mean, I I love talking about this stuff because it's it's emotion that makes us do it, but yeah let's start with what an emotion is right typically happy sad you know scared all these things but actually that isn't necessarily the emotion that's relevant to your brand and ultimately um oh hang on i just realized that my laptop's not plugged in that would be bad <laughs> right uh that would be really bad hang on. there we go um right i'll start again so um, the, the first thing to do is to understand that there's lots of different type of emotions. There's happy, sad, um, shocked, all these things, but they're not emotions that are going to help you sell your brand. And if you use those, you're going to feel inauthentic because there's nothing worse right. than watching an advert for something which is suggesting it's big melancholy music and all, oh, it's all heart wrenching and it's selling you chewing gum or something. <laughs> um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's inauthentic. But what you can say is that there is always something that people will care about with your brand. And these emotions might be fear of missing out, uh, the great FOMO, they might be laziness, they might be right. wanting to be the first. You know, we work with surgeons, uh, we work with a market um, leader in, who deals with some kind of neurosurgeons, and the big emotion there is, is telling them they're amazing they love that um so you know that sort of vanity thing and the the example i give is a a, i think i've made people more more people watch this film than have actually watched it through the company but there's a company called talia who make um software they do um they do electronic invoicing software i mean Mm -hmm. really how are you going to get an emotional connection with that nobody cares but what Mm -hmm. they did is they did this fun it's a funny video but they basically said Use if you don't use us if you don't use electronic invoicing software, you can get RSI because you're clicking and you're clicking and you're putting all these things in manually. If if you uh, if you get RSI, you have to take some time off. Um, If you take some time off, the intern will have to step in. Uh, If the intern steps in, they will do the job better than you will. When they do the job better than (laughs) you will, they become your boss. Don't let the intern become your boss. And it's like, oh, that's genius. Because it's like the emotional driver of using this software, buying this software is because I don't want to lose my job to someone younger. And that's a very valid, (laughs) it's a very, very valid emotional driver. So yeah, it's always there. That's amazing. (laughs)
1: Well, going back to like, there's a classic then, that's such a good one, but the classic, um, nobody got fired for, for buying IBM or or whatever that phrase is. Mm. Like, I mean, I think there's a lot of emotion in in B2B that nobody really even thinks about because there's so much fear about losing your job Mm -hmm. or about getting outsourced or, you know, like all those kinds of things about having to be reprimanded for making the wrong choice. I mean, there's really... Actually, pretty heavy emotional consequences for a lot of B2B.
0: Perfect. Definitely. I mean, I think the key thing to remember in B2B is who's finding this video? It's probably not the person you're selling it to. It's the person below the person you're selling it to who's been found to find a solution. And what they want to do is mm. they look they want to look good to their boss. So if you give them a package, a nice shiny video that tells them everything that their boss wants to hear and, and it's a tight proposition, they can just go and here's the thing and they look good. Mm-hmm. So it's always worth thinking about who the end audience is, but also who's the gatekeeper. So that's what we spend a lot yeah, of time that's doing. such a good point. That's great. Yeah, that's such a good point. That's great. It's like I've been thinking about it yeah. before, right? Yeah. <laughs> Have you written a bus? book? book right, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 30 years of, uh, I don't know if it's knowledge, but it's certainly finding out as you go along. You know, that's, that's um, but yeah. So, yeah, so we could take this any way you like now. I mean, it's that, you know, you could talk about emotion and why it matters or, you know, it's such a big area.
2: I did, you know, I did want to make sure that we touched on why video works, you know, and that we could talk about uh, potentially the, you know, <clears throat> the, we, we talked a little bit about the emotion and how you can help create that connection. But what is it actually about video? The moment someone comes across it, what happens to us?
0: Why are we so engaged with the, with the content? Yeah. Why does it work? Okay. Um, Okay. So, you know, the the way I've reduced it is, is there's four key areas, right? The number, the the first one is this idea of most of the video we're watching now is on a mobile device. And we are quite literally addicted to these things, because they are just pumping dopamine to us. So if you look at why dopamine was released, it was it's released as a sort of an evolutionary tool. Um, It makes us feel good about being part of a group. It makes us feel good about finding things, sort of the reward of the search. It makes us feel good when we're praised by others. Um, you know, all these things is what our mobile phone does. It helps us find stuff. It helps us complete tasks and it helps us feel part of a group. So every mm-hmm. time you pick this thing up, we're getting a little sort of kick of dopamine. So that's why we just love, love mm-hmm. the phones, you know. Um, but also we can we can sort of interact with them and they've got this tactile element. And there's an amazing piece of work done that is basically, if you're holding a phone in your hand, it somehow feels sort of closer to you, and you will actually pay more for a product mm-hmm. you see on your phone than on a screen on the other side of the thing. And this is simply because your body thinks I'm holding it, so it's kind of closer to your your sense of mm-hmm. self. And I will not go into this whole theory now, but um, that basically, yes, just the mere fact they were holding it does mean that we'll pay things pay things for things more highly so you know mm. we, touch and hold is that is, the, is a big one because we get a dopamine kick from the phone the, the the second reason it's so important is it moves right and i know we were talking about video it's like well, what is it it's just moving image mm-hmm. now in your in your eyes around the outside of your eyes you have this thing called the ganglion cells and these are designed to stop us getting eaten by snakes or crocodiles or Canada bears I suppose you get I don't know what you get get eaten by because there's so (laughs) many bears running around yeah yeah so so these ganglion cells if you look at a scene and nothing's happening they don't fire but as soon as there's any kind of movement you know tiny tiny movement it will go bang what's that I'm gonna get eaten by a bear Um, and and your phone is basically always triggering these because you've got movement and this is why if you get your phone And it's face down on the other side of the room. And that tiny little notification light goes off, which you can't even tell is there. Your ganglion cells are seeing it and you're drawn to it. And also when we're looking at the phone, Mm. because everything's moving on it all the time, it just sucks us in. So we can't help it, really. The Mm. third key reason that video works so well is probably because you're watching a video that's directly targeted at you, right? That's Mm. the other thing. Mm -hmm. We can target by... Um, obviously demographics, but also by interest groups, by, you know, we can target by where you are, what time of day it is and what mindset you're in if we really wanted to but it would freak people out um, so the, the the fact you're watching a video is it's not like watching a TV show and there's just a McDonald's ad and you go, I don't eat McDonald's because if in digital that wouldn't be a McDonald's ad, it would be a Chipotle ad or something, you know, yeah. that you actually like so that's the big one and then the main reason that I think it's so effective is because we can tell stories so well. And the brands that are doing really well are basically storytellers. Um, you know, when we, when we hear a story, we, I mean, we've dissolved a, we have evolved during evolution to communicate through stories. So beginning, a middle and end, right? This mm-hmm. is how we tell stories. And videos just help us tell stories really well. Um, and when we tell stories, we get all these emotions like serotonin and, you know, endorphins and oxytocin. This is what happens when we hear a story and they change our behavior. So by using stories Mm -hmm. on phones, we can actually use chemicals to change brain chemistry. And if you're smart about it, we know which buttons to push, what to make you feel, the chemicals kick around, you're going to change your behavior, which is kind of twisted and dark. But if you're doing it for good things, you know, I think it's okay. You know, if we're getting money out of you for charity or UN organizations or anything like that. I, I don't have an issue with that. It's politics is where it maybe gets a little bit more murky, but um, you know, mm-hmm. we can drive emotional responses through storytelling. Definitely. That was a rant. <laughs> <In all words. laughs> Sorry about that.
1: So, I mean, with all those things that you can't, that, like that video can do, like, how do you, how do you prioritize? Like what, like, cause I would say, yeah, John, let, let's do it. I want all of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the stuff we talked about, sign me up. And, and also, uh, how much does it cost and what's the right length
0: of it? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Can I, can I do it for no money? Um, you know, budget obviously has a big implication to it. But, you know, the number one thing I think is a frank look. You're never going to, I mean, you don't just pick out video and it solves all your problems. But the number one thing is, mm-hmm. what is my key challenge for the next 12 months? As a marketer, what have I been told to do? Mm-hmm. Am I looking to reach new communities? Or am I looking to talk more to the communities that I'm already talking to? And once you understand what your objectives are, and then you understand what your audiences are, it's a three-part process, right? What, been, what have I been told to do? Who are my audiences? What do they care about? And then it's, it's quite mm-hmm. natural to, to make, it's quite obvious what you've got to do. Um, you know, just as an example, we're working with a, you know, an automotive company and they want to push the electric vehicle message to new people. Okay, well, if we just make electric vehicle cars, films for electric vehicle owners or car buffs, we're not going to grow the market. So how do we make content that is beyond that? So we start doing co-productions mm-hmm. with cooking and whatever those things are. But that's, that's how you start you know, is start small and you test stuff. Um, and, and you just get better at it really. It's, it's difficult to know because every single brand, if you're a single marketer in a small brand, I would tell you completely one thing, but if you run a massive marketing department of a global company, I'd tell you another because it's such a big thing, but you've got to start with who you're talking to and what do they care about? Oh, and what your problems are. That's it really. Mm -hmm. Um, I suppose that didn't really help you because it's just like, it depends. (laughs) But. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs>
1: but but I think that is I, like it's a good answer because um the the structure in my mind the the structure of what you're suggesting and and if you said it a couple times and, and it does make sense like understand your problem understand your audience mm-hmm. and then understand what they care about and I think that in itself really is essentially the brief mm. Right, and and if you can't write a good brief, then then maybe that's the priority, right? Where before just saying video is the answer, it's it's probably like there's no piece of content that that is the answer or the silver bullet to everything. It probably is just starting at the clarity that you described around those three. Yeah, things. definitely. Because then, and then from there, then everything will get better when you go to produce a, an asset like a video or a series of videos or. You know, helping you pick between Hero Hub and Hygiene because those are different
0: tools for different objectives. Exactly. You go. I want these people. I've got this problem. Great. You need a, you need a hero film, and to do a hero film for this much money or this much money is going to look like this. You've got this other problem. You just need to make shed loads of like help stuff and just answer questions really cheap. Um, so yeah, the plan, and then you can do it internally or externally. You know, if you go to a production company. Mm-hmm. With that brief, you're going to end up with something that works. Whereas I'm afraid to say that if you go to a production company as opposed to a video marketing agency and you go, I want to film, they're going to sell you the kind of film they like mm-hmm. making or that they can make with their internal resources because you just said, I need a film. But you go to them with a specific mm-hmm. business plan and you, it will, you're pu- pushing it down the right route.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Even if you mm-hmm.
0: film it yourself, at least you've got a plan.
1: Yeah.
2: As you guys were, were, yeah. were kind of uh, talking about just essentially, you know, how, how you're setting it up, you know, where is it that you start? So you loosely define you, know, you're, you're setting that goal, you're setting, defining the audience, where are they in potentially that consumer decision journey? It already felt daunting, a part of me, like, and I'm trying to think again for companies and advertisers. It's like going through that process, if I think about the, the way companies structure Uh, If you will, their marketing departments, uh, their digital marketing teams and whatnot, because video is one of those things like where does it actually live? And We can Mm. touch on it now or we can touch on it later. I don't know of any advertiser that has a lot of these capabilities in-house in the sense that they can actually approach these problem statements in that very, you know, um, methodical way. And usually you have them outsourced. The moment you outsource, though, that's when the cost usually goes goes up incredibly. So what would your, I guess, your suggestion is in that context? Like, do we, is video expensive because of the amount of demand on resources? Or is it expensive because it's hard to define exactly what anyone may need? I don't know if that makes sense. For some Um, reason, it makes sense in my head. but
0: Yeah, video can be expensive because of production costs. I mean, ultimately, the reason it can cost quite a lot of money is um, you need some people to go somewhere with some expensive kit which is, yeah. you know, six guys and food and travel, you know, it's just expensive and then they have to get back. And then mm-hmm. you've got a team of you know men and women who are spending two weeks cutting it and stuff. So it's, it's a big capital out there because there's a lot of work involved. It's not like running an email campaign, which is like one person sorts out the database yeah. and you run mm-hmm. it. But so it can be quite expensive from that point of view, but I I don't think that the planning should necessarily be that onerous. I mean, for example, I run a half day workshop and it, we just smash it because it's like, even if, mm-hmm even if it hasn't been done at the brand level, right? Let's just say you don't have all the formal personas, you know, you don't have all of that. As a marketer, you still basically know who you're talking to. Um, And and then what's Mm -hmm. the case of doing is maybe testing it. Well, this, this, this film, we're going to just talk about this particular benefit and the next film we'll talk about those and we'll just see how they do. So it's a sliding scale, but I think the most important thing is just to, even if you don't know, take a punt. I mean, because it, the sooner you get out there and test it, test it, the better. I think the only thing you can do wrong is just do one thing for everyone. Um, yeah. Uh, pff, loads of messages because then we'll get it right. Better just to randomly pick one out of a hat and see if it works. Because at least you'll have some data. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you make everything in one film and it works, you've no idea why. There's,
1: there's two things I wanted to ask you about. Um, one is the creative commitment. And then the other one is uh, around testing. So I mean we could maybe split this up, but the, the two questions would be like, how do you test? And if the if the capital investment in in, in producing a film is so large up front, it makes it kinda of, kinda of sounds a bit scary in a way. Like how do you help people get some information about what's well, gonna work better? Mm-hmm. Um and then the second question is um thinking about maximizing the benefit of you know, whichever direction you end up going. Um how do you like there's a, a i think it was wark came up with this idea of creative commitment uh, and they have a whole thing around it but i feel like it's a blessing and a curse and it, and i kind of want to lean more towards it being a blessing because once you have a choice that you've made in which direction you're going to go go all in i think is a is a is kind of what the wark stuff is <laughs> saying and i feel like too often we we kind of we don't have the right information kind of what V is speaking about to build a great brief, which then gives you kind of a subpar like direction for a producer like yourself, which then leads to like not really making commitment and you have all these committees that provide input and you kind of wash out this idea that, that could have been originally really strong, but then ends up becoming kind of
0: flat death by committee. I mean, it's like, this is, is what kills it and um, okay so your first question was a like a b testing and how do we test and again it comes on a, a massive sliding scale you know if you've got multi-million pound budgets you will develop ideas you'll audience test those you know in audience research then you'll make an animatic and you'll test this but it's like that's crazy money at the other end testing doesn't have to mean remaking the whole film so we have what we call the four r's which is we review stuff right if it's working mm-hmm. we just renew it We just put it out again. If it's Mm -hmm. kind of working, we refresh it. And if it isn't working until we reiterate it, which is a nice way of saying we bid it and do something else. But, um, you know, Mm -hmm. testing can be as little as we have got a talking head with a CEO. We're going to use his first opening statement as this, which is about this particular topic. But then we're also going to put out one where he opens with a different thing. And we're just going to see which one of those resonates. Or it might be as simple Mm -hmm. as we've got this film. We're just going to test which thumbnail works and which copy works. So, you you know, it's, it's it's a massive sliding scale. I think Mm -hmm. by the time you're all in, you do, like you said, you're you're all in on an idea, right? You don't want to then be like, uh, well, we make a bit of another idea. And it's like, that's your idea. You should believe in it, but you should be testing what the title is, what the thumbnails are. And, you know, definitely testing the call to action because that's the big one. So I'll go back to an earlier example we had. So we've made, um, made some films for some neurosurgeons. And it was a LinkedIn ad. And the advert was exactly the same. But we ran two ads and one of them was This is the future of neurosurgery, which is like this, the thing's amazing and it's great. And the other one we ran, you are the future of neurosurgery, which is talking directly to the surgeons and Mm. saying how amazing they are. And it outperformed the other one three to one because it's like people, oh, I am the future of neurosurgery. I'll watch that. You know, as the other one sounds a bit like this is a product (laughs) film, whereas the other ones, it's about you Um, and same film, right? So you, you can make exponential changes just by small testing at any point. You don't have to remake, remake the whole thing. That's a great example, but it's, it's interesting. That one is because it goes back to emotional drivers. Yeah. Okay. Surgeons. Okay. What do they care about? They care about saving lives. Sure. They also like being better than other people. And they also like, you know, Mm -hmm. their statistics being good and they like getting it done quickly and going home. You know, I'm, I'm lumping all surgeons together, but you know, as professional people, we, we're all not, we're not all just about servicing the end customer. We've got our own lives. And you know, so just test what it is that resonates.
1: And, and then on the commitment side, is that, how important is that? that you, Like there's dialogue and I, I would say pushback maybe is another way to say it on, on a, and protecting mm. an idea. Like we're, we're committing to this idea and this is the path we're going to, like how much of that. It plays out in, in the production all the time, of a all the time. video.
0: So my, you know, if you work for a marketing team and you found a, a, a video agency or a video guy, or you just got an entire idea before that goes into production, you need to get, I would say it's high up the chain of command as you can to get buy in of the idea, right? Because that's how you protect it down the line. So what can often happen is the marketing team will make it. They bought into the idea. It's sweet it's a really strong idea. Then it goes up the chain to someone who doesn't have any context. And then it comes back watered down. Let's change the VO line. Let's change that thing. And and then suddenly it comes back as 80% of what it was because the people up the chain are not bought in. So you, I think you do need to go in large. If you've got a creative idea, a lot of films don't have a central creative idea and you might water it down with some specific messages. But if you've got an emotional connection, are you going after, just go after it. Um, and also, like, I tend to show other films that have been watered down and why they're ineffective. So normally what will happen is it will mm. go up the chain, it will have stuff added, and then it will come down again.
1: So let's talk about, and we just had a technical glitch there. So John, let's just pick up from where we left off, which was around the uh, concept of pro- how important is it to protect the idea? And what can you do to to have that commitment to an idea? Oh.
0: OK, cool. Well, you know, it, you typically come up with ideas where you sit in a room and you have these great ideas and you work really, really hard to develop a good strategy and a good plan. And you figure out the audience and you figure out what, what people want to say. And then you put then you make it and it goes up the chain and someone who's got no idea about what this is or has, has really just coming in cold or doesn't share the same vision as you watches it and goes, well, that's not what I want. They immediately add stuff, take stuff out, change stuff. It comes down the chain back to you and it's not as good. So it's super important, I think, that once you've got an idea that you believe in, you take all the other stakeholders in your company on that journey with you um, as high up the chain as you can go until you find someone that is able to protect that idea. And, you know, I think the thing is in corporate world, maybe it's better to water it down so there's nothing wrong. Well, actually... It's like nothing wrong is not the same right. as being good, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and having this lowest common denominator where all of the departments in the in the building are happy is not the way to do it. So you need to protect that idea. Mm-hmm. And I think probably one of the benefits that I have as an external consultant is for some reason, brands tend to listen to people they're paying a lot of money to on a day rate more than they do their own team Mm -hmm. right so i can be brought in by a team to protect their idea and i can come in (laughs) and go i'm the expert and and here's a load of stats and and they will listen to me so i'm saying is get help wherever you can to protect that idea Mm -hmm. because you you've got to stick with it otherwise it will suffer death of a thousand cuts and it will be bland and it just won't work so
2: just listening to all that channels and i know we talked about this a little bit earlier but channels becomes fundamentally important how you approach video so there's obviously maybe it's a two-part question but do you build for the channel or do you build for the idea
0: uh it's very good i build i would say you need to build for the audience so what we're asking first is where you know we know who the audience is or we don't you know maybe we don't but how do we reach them so obviously it's really basic stuff, right? If you're trying to reach uh, millennials, older millennials, you're going to be looking at Facebook, Instagram. If you're looking at Gen Z, you want to be looking at TikTok, um, you know, those kind of things. But equally, if you're looking at a B2B audience, how do we use LinkedIn? But also how do we use Instagram? How do we use... Uh, and to be honest, if you want to get to everybody, then YouTube. So it's, it's kind of like each of the channels will help you reach a different audience um, better better than others. Um, but also, depending on what kind of thing you're doing, if you're doing um, how-to videos, how do I use it, then your natural home is going to be on Inst- on um, YouTube because that's where people watch how-to videos. But if you are looking to do um, a, hey, buy our Um, face product uh, 10 second video then obviously facebook ads is a really good way to do that so i think understanding each channel is is really important i think the two things to know about the, the main thing to know about channels is how they differ and there's two types of channels there's what we call fixed channels, which are typically watched in landscape, um, and they are where you sit with some headphones and you watch stuff. And you might get away with quite a long film on there, and it's quite deep. Um, and YouTube is the classic example. So is Vimeo, so is Netflix, so is standard TV. Um, the thing about when you go on a fixed channel is if you put content on there, it will have a long tail. It will still be being watched six months later. It's really good for evergreen content but then the other platforms are fluid platforms and these are where your thumbs just go mental just like tiktok and flicking through bum boom, bum boom, bum boom, bum and like super sharp you you people aren't going to be looking for stuff it just pops up in their feed but the thing is they flick their thumb and you are gone so your tail are, are, is minutes so if you're looking to launch a campaign and you want it to be a long tail thing which is going to sit around then you you know don't look at a fluid platform think about what you can do on the fixed ones um you know thinking about how people watch on those channels will really help you know what to do it's basically it's lots (laughs) you know there's lots to think about but it all boils down to knowing what kind of films do we need to solve the problems oh okay it's those kind of things well that how would we get people to watch those um but each, also each of the channels are better at paid activity. So, I mean, I'm really impressed with Twitter video. Actually, Twitter video ads and how the, the click through rate is quite cheap. The call to the cost per acquisition is quite cheap. um LinkedIn is an is so expensive. It's very good for very very targeted niches. But equally, if you just want to hit a, an industry generally, then go on Instagram and get them while they're at home. It's a much cheaper way of reaching people.
1: Yeah, there's a certain amount of confidence in in different channels i think that comes inherently with the channel so and you kind of mentioned in terms of demographics like tiktok you feel confident that you can reach younger people instagram you feel confident you can reach people while they're casually browsing um linkedin you mentioned you can feel confident that you can reach b2b but in reality like the people are kind of everywhere (laughs) and so there's it, there, it's hard to be um, distinct audiences, to, you know, on each platform. It's probably more likely that they're they are everywhere, but the confidence of how you can target people, I think, is interesting. <laughs>
0: Well, it boils down to the cost of it. You know, you probably can get the same people on LinkedIn and Instagram and TikTok, but what mood are they in when you reach them and how much does it cost you? So it's testing cost per acquisition. I mean, that's literally, for me, the key metric for me is click-through rate. It's like, because as a video maker, as a content maker, I'm looking to drive them somewhere. Now, when they get there, if you're on-site, experience is no good, or your landing page doesn't work, or your conversion rate. I mean, that's kind of, I have to say, the brand's problem. You know, my job is to get people on the site engaged, willing to find out more. So how do I get the cheapest click through rate for the relevant audience? Now, some people would say, well, if you're sending us loads of bad traffic, then you know, yes, I do agree. But I'm not just sending randoms to your website. But you know, how can I get the right people from the target audience clicking through? And sometimes that'll be cheaper on Facebook, sometimes Insta, sometimes YouTube pre-rolls. You know, sometimes digital display ads, who knows? It's about testing.
1: I, I feel like you open a can of worms with the click-through rate and I want to jump into that one. Yeah, I I mean, would just... yeah, go on then. Well, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, that? I don't, like, we, V and I have talked about this with uh, well, with each other a lot, but, like, I don't think a click-through rate is always the answer because, especially with films, if you can tell people, some of it is, depending on the objective Like, I may want to just reach as many people as possible. And so in that case, I'll optimize the media for reach. And and I really don't care about click-through rate.
0: In other other circumstances... It's the problem simplifying things, you know. (laughs) Simplifying to a sentence is always going to be wrong. But yeah, I agree. But
1: no, yeah, but I get your point, though. Like, I mean, there are times when click-through rate does matter a lot. That's how you're um, optimizing the buy but
0: going back to the what we were talking about earlier digital funnels right what's the problem you're trying to solve if you've got an awareness problem stick it on youtube zero click through really cheap eyeballs brilliant but if your problem is acquisition then it's mid funnel stuff you know it's it's it boils down to what we said earlier which is what's the business problem i'm trying to solve and finding finding the right yes but yeah you're absolutely right you know if i just got everyone to click through i had a high click-through rate but not many people saw it then that's not very useful either
2: well, it's an easy way to protect. So uh, as a creator, or, you know, a video creator that you are being able to say like, hey, look at how many people clicked. You can protect your work, right? And anyone that puts mm. out videos like, hey, no, we drove X amount of traffic. When you're starting to stitch that holistically, though, I think that's where it becomes, well, why did that click happened? Um, did another mm-hmm. channel help with the conversion? So Maybe, for example, people came to the page, didn't convert right away, but it was that 20% hook that came in after in an email that actually drove that. But the awareness of the affinity actually came from the video originally. So it's a whole other conversation uh, we don't need to get into
0: that it's well yeah i mean the, the, the acquisition of whose lead it is is a fantastic conversation and my favorite thing is television commercials you know yeah. they would have you believe that any activity landing on your website within six weeks of that air, tv commercial airing is theirs. exactly it's just like i don't think it is mate yeah <laughs> as you say another day john this has
1: been really great I, I appreciate your time and um and there's so much good stuff in the book and like we, we kind of scratched the surface on a big swath of it but like there's so much depth to get into with this
0: i mean i as you can tell i love talking about it it's nice to talk to you guys and just chew chew over you know chew the cud on it and and see where the chat goes it's it's really it's really good conversation it's been really enjoyable
1: yeah thanks for spending the time with us how do people find out more about you and and the book and the work you're doing
0: okay so the book is called Video Marketing. My agency is called Hurricane Media. So if you Google I mean it's Hurricane is our website, but if you just Google John Mowat's uh video marketing, you'll find me. But more importantly, um anyone who's listening to the Sleeping Barber website uh, podcast has got a special discount code, which is cool. So um, Sleeping yes. Barber 20, if you go onto um if you go onto Kogan page kogan pages website or you just google john moat's Cogan page it will take you through to my book i'm sure there'll be links with this but sleeping barber 20 and you'll get some money yeah. off
1: nice thanks for that that's great
0: that's all right. yeah we appreciate that's all right. that man that's awesome
1: okay well thanks john this has been super fun and um yeah like again thanks for sharing all your insights and on, on this and it, it is such an interesting and fascinating topic because it, it it is like you said before i think complex but it's not Complicated. It doesn't have to be complicated. <laughs>
0: it's not difficult. It's no, yeah, just lots it. going yeah, yeah. on, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So um, this has been super yeah, enlightening. Thank you, and thank you for getting up very early in the morning to accommodate me being in the UK. So I do appreciate that. No man, it's our pleasure. Cool. Well, thank you very much for having me.
2: i look forward to see, seeing you again soon. Take care. Sounds good. Thanks, John.
1: And now the post-pod discussion with V and Mark.
2: V PostPod, here we go. Video marketing. Yeah. what a fascinating conversation with uh, with John there. I think we covered quite a quite a bit of ground, but unfortunately, we didn't actually talk about the book enough, um, which is such an amazing resource. But I think we did t- spend yeah. time and really discuss, you know, some of those nuances that I think are, are pretty pretty important. Yeah,
1: I agree. I mean, the part. I mean just to talk about the book for a second. Yeah. And by the way, there is that um the code that he offered uh, for our listeners, which is great. Yep. Uh, and so thanks John for that. The um the part that I thought the the book was really useful for was like a how-to guide. So if you yeah. weren't hiring an agency that does this all the time, like there's so many great like step-by-step things in there
2: mm-hmm. uh, and
1: formulas or sorry, not formulas, but templates and frameworks yeah. that help you like actually go into production of a video, which I thought was super uh, practical and helpful.
2: You know, I, I can't think of another resource that really covers everything from start to finish when it comes to producing, strategize, sorry, strategizing, producing, editing video and the equipment that you need all in one, one book. Like as yeah. a marketing lens, which is extremely yeah. powerful in of itself, but then really getting into those real nuances if you know what equipment do you actually need and yeah. you'd be surprised like it, it kind of has it broken down by um the the, the different levels so yeah you know uh, just getting started versus you know more uh what's it called um more developed teams that have maybe a lot more kit to do that yeah. work so i thought it was yeah. great i thought it was fantastic yeah it's a
1: funny thing too where I,
2: i've seen in you and
1: know, I both have been in, in different scenarios where yeah. I, I, i'm sure you've seen this too but like you can say to any team like let's go make like let's go get photos <laughs> right or yeah. we need a blog or we need some kind of like graphic
2: yeah. and
1: that's no problem but all of a sudden you say and we need a video and it's like Whoa. everyone <laughs> just stops <laughs> like what do you mean we need yeah. a video like, and then it becomes this huge i don't know why it's I think he said it was like comp- complex, not complicated. Maybe it is. I think that's how he said it. But, but it's such a, like a, a like an arresting kind of moment when you yeah. ask a team to produce a video, it seems to like
2: really freeze people up. And I can appreciate why, because if you think about it, like many things in marketing, they're so subjective when you're producing a video for your organization and you have to run it up the ladder, so to speak, you don't know how it's going to land. Right. And I think, I think you, you did a great, great job. there asking him just around questions around like the brief, the, you know, really understanding. I think you, you mentioned it as um, understand your problem, understand your audience, and then understand uh, what was it, uh, what they care about, like those three Mm -hmm. things. And if you can form them the right way and have enough information there, that's, you know there's insights there's data behind it that mm-hmm. essentially informs the brief so that should take some of that like mm, out of it yeah but at the same time it's it's not easy i i we can't sit here and pretend like oh my goodness read this book and you're gonna you know mm-hmm. pump out videos like nothing like nothing else mm-hmm. it is still a very difficult thing to do mm-hmm. and to do right
1: yeah i agree I mean, we talked to a few things that kind of stick out for me, too, where um, we were talking about building for the channels, whether you should yeah. build for the channel or not. And I think he's like, I think his response was it, it's you start with the audience. Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and, and so with that in mind and and the sort of I think he said planning production and activation is how you think about producing videos. So the planning part really starts with that audience and figuring out. Like, what is it you're going to do? And he talked about what stages of the funnel you're going to go after. Yep. Um, but really, I, I think in kind of leaning into that brief idea that you're talking about, I think that's a huge part of video. Yeah. Really, any kind of content moment uh, mm-hmm. is is really thinking through the different scenarios that you're going to use the assets in, mm-hmm. as opposed to just saying, oh, I need something. And it's a knee-jerk reaction, turn it around, get it done. Yeah. Um, probably... For everybody, planning some of these content moments is spending more time planning them is probably a really good idea.
2: I agree, and even if you look at like the short form video platforms, so you think of like the TikToks, even Reels and and whatnot, mm-hmm. it may seem like they're because they're so smaller, or snackable, or literally mm-hmm. seven seconds, five seconds, whatever the number is that. Even that requires a level of planning to do right because yeah. when you're trying to build your brand around it mm-hmm. it per- it's not just someone sitting in front of a camera on their own and just doing like funny little skits mm-hmm. when you're strategically trying to determine how what's your brand voice on those platforms it, it there's a level of rigor and discipline needed to mm-hmm. to do it right like And Mm -hmm. I don't know, and I'm, excuse my ignorance here, but I don't know very many brands that are actually doing TikTok right. Yeah. I I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've been looking at this recently with a couple of people I work with, and it's it's tough. I mean, I think the same thing is true. Like, you and I worked together when when Instagram launched its ad platform, and that was a thing, right? And we're all trying to adapt to that because historically it was print, tv radio billboard yep and then now you got well at that time it was instagram came out facebook came out and you could do video on those things and youtube is there right and so then you're like okay well what does that mean for the brand you you used to just make 30s and now you got this other option of like something else yeah um and so i think it's it's an interesting thing because there's this sort of sense of like like a moth of a flame kind of thing where you're like, totally. Oh, there's a new channel. I got to go do that. And yeah, <laughs> get burned up. But I don't know that you have to do like, it's probably nobody has to do everything. No. Um, and you, I don't think it's necessary for every brand just because there's a new channel to get into it again. I think John's comment was really good. Yeah. Think about your audience. Think about where they are. And if they're there, then sure. Like, Go and experiment. But I also don't think there's a sense of perfection that's expected from brands anymore. Where historically, because you spent so much putting money on into a TV spot, mm-hmm. this, the inventory costs a ton to begin with. And then, you know, the production costs a ton. You can do stuff more flexibly without the sort of doesn't necessarily have to be unprofessional, but it doesn't have to be like pro quality to present your brand on some of these channels, especially when it's so disposable now, like it's here and it's gone and you never see it again.
2: I think that's the magic word. It has become so disposable. The amount of content each of us individually as consumers, we ingest from a day-to-day perspective, either through the form of ads, either through the form of um, just that, you know, uh, engaging content, if you will. It is it is so difficult to break through in that space I think, you know, if you we go back to the three things, you know, understanding your problem, understanding your audience, and understanding, again, um, what they care about, you'll be able to determine if the platforms are the right ones for you. So mm-hmm. we we keep picking on TikTok. I think you're 100% right in the, in the sense that TikTok may not be the platform for you. Mm-hmm. If you're already creating you know, awareness, reach through other mediums, Mm -hmm. you're already building those mind structures. I think you have to be very, um, very prepared to venture into a space like, like TikTok or or reels, Mm -hmm. if you will, um, that can, you know, further enhance, uh, you know, any campaign that you're looking to do. But
1: yeah,
2: I've got to be careful how I say this. Don't build around don't focus on TikTok and build build out from that. I think there's other channels that you can really kind of focus your video content on, and mm-hmm. then look how maybe something like TikTok or those short form content videos play into the overall strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm yeah. sure others have done it in reverse and they've been successful. I guess yeah. I'm being ignorant here where I haven't seen that yet.
1: Well, you know, I think it depends also on what your play is like if it's an organic play um like i my my favorite story about this um is is my pinterest story so you know way back when we're like okay we're doing facebook we're doing instagram we're doing youtube okay we definitely we're doing twitter we we gotta get on a pinterest because we're trying to reach a female audience that's where they shop and so on and so forth Cool. Got approval, got resources. We did a photo shoot for the camp for the newest campaign that we were launching at the time. Yeah. We got all this, all these assets that we could publish on Pinterest. And then that was it. (laughs) We never did another content shoot that we could pull specifically assets out of it for Pinterest because we went on to something else that wasn't female oriented, like hockey or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, not that hockey's not female oriented, but it was just the the opportunity to create all these shoppable like pins wasn't quite the same focus. And so um and my point of saying that was that was an organic play. And mm. so if you're producing assets from an organic perspective, like TikTok videos, and you, part of that is, you know, the sort of mantra of like, and now back to your regularly scheduled programming. Right doing an organic play i feel like it's kind of one of those things where you need to have regularly scheduled programming yeah like every thursday at 8 p.m we used to watch whatever friends because that was like every thursday at 8 p.m yeah and you kind of organize around that and now with this on-demand sort of platform like you almost always have to have content there so the resources that you put into that are kind of ongoing and always demanding more and more and more. Yeah. Um, and so my Pinterest story is just a small like reflection of that, sto- of that, that, you know, if you don't commit to it, it from an organic perspective, like you might as well not bother. Uh,
2: such a great point because it, think about the, the content demands already on teams. And I know you and I were very fortunate at one point where we overlapped in our careers and we had a pretty robust studio team that you know Mm -hmm. we did the majority of all if not everything we did kind of Mm in-house right and i I want to remember i'm trying to think how big that team was but it wasn't a small team yeah but how many companies organizers have the luxury of internalizing that whole process not many no and you want to outsource it not saying you can't but that's also very very expensive as well so when you think about the content demands across all the channels that you may be activating as a brand or as a service, man, you got to be dialed in terms yeah. of making sure you know upfront what you need from what channel, understand, and I think John did a great job articulating, like throughout the day, we spend our time in our phones being vertically, right? So any kind yeah. of content that you're consuming, you're consuming it vertically. But it's yeah. later in the day where you're sitting on your couch, maybe you're sitting at the kitchen table, maybe in bed, where you flip yeah. it horizontal. So obviously, your mind is ready to process content a lot differently. Yeah. So it's almost thinking about it also in, during the time of day as well. Like that's yeah. yet another parameter that yeah, you have totally. to consider when you're creating yeah. this content.
1: Well, I think he mentioned that he used to deliver a 16 by 9 video. Yeah. on a cd a single one yeah. on a cd now he's got like 20 or 30 assets that he's delivering all digital files on so it, to your it's point nuts. like yeah it's it's yeah it's a lot it's so a lot. and you throw into the equation like now you can cast onto a television set um yeah. you know maybe you're streaming um video just to hear the audio depending on like you know the podcasts do that sometimes yeah. like it's not just a single purpose tool anymore with, um, just one particular specific placement. Like it, it's like have content no. will travel.
2: Yeah. Well, we're having this, the struggle, um, as a family right now. So like, you know, we have a five month old daughter and we're in the video that we have, we have it vertically. Anytime people come over and want to share videos, we want to cast it to the uh. screen it's, not, it's on widescreen because we're not doing it horizontally, uh, yeah, yeah. right? The oh, content so sucks. Funny. It doesn't work. <laughs> you have this big-ass screen, and then you're literally using one quarter of it down the middle because you've taken the video vertically. Yeah. We got we to gotta yeah. think like, you know, flip that phone on the side, man. Oh, that's so funny. Got to play the long game.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, that that is another part I wanted to talk about because we talked about like he gets these questions. How long should it be? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been the long game. What's Uh, what's your take on like some of those types of questions?
2: That is, you know, our favorite answer. I wish every time we had, we would say this. I think that I wish we need like a a noise maker, a buzzer, a buzzer. Yeah, it depends. we need a buzzer around, it depends. Like an air horn? Something. <laughs> We've got to catch each other every time we say it depends. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it does depend. But it does depend, right? And I think it goes back down to those three fundamental things of understanding the audience and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And saying, do I need hero content? If I need hero content to generate awareness because my mm-hmm. brand is struggling, I think you can get away with length there right? Cause you're yep. trying to be emotive. You want to try to show a level of affinity, create connection yep. and all that. I think if you're, I don't know, I'm going to say 20% off or 30% off message. That doesn't have to be very long. That can be no, literally it's pretty succinct, Pretty <laughs> succinct, like 50% off on now go, right? Like yeah. that's five seconds. You can have some, you know, some, a lot of movement and I loved like where he talked about like why we're so intrigued by video. We can get that into second. But when I think about the length of video, um, it depends. But I think there is frameworks that you can really apply when you're yeah. looking at it. Like it's not um, it's not one size fits all. It's an understanding yeah. what is the purpose of the content that you're putting out, finding the right channels that can bring that to life for you, and then yeah. focus on you know. I don't want to say the best practices because sometimes we have a lot of those publishers and a lot of those companies suggest something that may not be a best practice or what it's a perceived best practice. Yeah. But almost like trust your gut in those because remember we all consume this media as well. Yeah. We yeah. know what works. Yeah, that's
1: true. Yeah. My what do you take think? on that one. Well, I, a couple of years ago or a year ago, maybe, um, it was us to do a presentation, and, and so I did it on attention. Hmm. Um, and there's, so there's that statement about you know the average human has a attention span of a goldfish or less than a goldfish now. <laughs> it was like seven seconds or something, goldfish can focus for eight. I don't know how they figured out how goldfish can focus for eight seconds, but uh, for me, it's just I, it, that that yeah. statement bugs me to no end. Yeah because i mean i haven't seen top gun yet but the new movie Mm -hmm. i think it's probably two two and a half hours jesus and from everyone that i've talked to like avatar i remember that was a long one that was three hours like all the lord of the rings they are three hours
2: yeah
1: and like i remember watching um uh what was it called forrest gump Mm -hmm. when that came out and that one for me it was the weirdest experience that i've had i remember having <laughs> Where it was I sat down and then I think it was a two and a half hour movie and it felt like two minutes went by and then it was done. Yeah. So That's like a great we movie, have yeah, it was a great movie. <laughs> so we have the capacity for attention like we for long spans of attention. Yeah. And and a channel like YouTube allows us to create assets that are much longer than you would ever have thought possible before. Because yeah. you could do a thirty-minute video if you want, mm-hmm. um, and you also have these other channels like TikTok or Instagram, st- whatever, where you've got like you know Vine way back in the day, where you've got like five six-second or YouTube bumpers, you yep. five six-second videos. So all of that's true. The other part, like y- you can play to both of them. I don't think you have to only do short format videos. Like I if agree. you wanted to do something longer, you can. The other part is that I think, and I don't think we really covered this, but there are channels where you people aren't even seeing it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you think that you're delivering impressions, you think that you're delivering like a, a digital GRP,
2: yeah.
1: And there's things like non-viewable impressions, which is such an oxymoron. So, <laughs> like, I <don't... laughs> so true. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I, like there's, I think attention. I know there's some work from karen nelson field i think is her name Mm -hmm. that um to start with the channel you're putting the content on if people aren't even paying attention to it it doesn't matter the video length because they're not even beginning to pay attention to it to begin with so so there's like some of that stuff that i think is fascinating i don't think it's only about short format video i don't think it's about long format i think it's kind of like you know, the audience, like we're talking about before, the audience planning the production then to suit the audience yeah. and then where you think you're gonna distribute them, to, or the assets. Yeah. Um and then you can move into production and um so I
2: think yeah, it's kind of an interesting it's such an interesting area. Well, th- there's some instances and I remember um well TV used to have with it a lot of like um a lot of structure around it, right? So you you could build mm-hmm. We were always told, you know, you can do, you know, 30 second TV ads, Mm -hmm. you can do, I think you can do up to 15, 15 and 30, isn't that, I don't even actually, it's been a while since I've done video for TV.
1: 30s for sure, 60s for sure. Uh, um, Sometimes you could buy like special inventory, most of the time it was 30s or 60s, but you could buy like a 90 or you could, depending on the channel and the format, you could buy like sometimes they have the interstitials or like the
2: right right right
1: ad within an ad that kind of stuff
2: but to your point i remember there's been there's been commercials where it have captivated me for the entire minute mhm which yeah. is like against everything that you read now you cannot have a 1 minute video um but I, again we, if you're thinking about it and we've talked to so many people about this you know building an emotion um, how do you make sure that you're <clears throat> creating that connection or helping again building those mind mm-hmm. structures? I I think that the last thing you have to worry about right right off the bat is length. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's where you yeah. start. Yeah. Because if you start there, then you're producing for a medium, which may as a result actually create a poor experience or actually not do what it is that you're trying to I achieve. Agree. With that video, let your creatives be creative. If it comes out 30 seconds, 60 seconds, look at it, assess it, yeah. use some focus groups. Cause you may realize very quickly, like, you know what? This is gold. And it's one yeah. minute long, but it's gold. Let's build a media strategy around that then.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. I, yeah. Until you mentioned that, I didn't even think about this. But remember when we did work together, there was um we used to run these campaigns all the time. And, and I remember there's a constant battle between the creative team and the media team where we're yeah. like, well, how are you guys going to produce anything if you don't know what channels we're putting on? And they're like, why are you going to limit us to these channels? Yeah. We haven't even come up with the idea yet. Yeah. And I used to get really angry and frustrated about that. <laughs> but I've now like gone to the creative side where I'm like, yeah, like it's way better to start with an idea yeah. because it's about the audience. And produce that idea for the audience, and find, and then you can like in the post production or whatever you could. And it's not to say you don't think consider the channels, but like whether it's sound on, sound off, like that's yeah. important. But um, but yeah, like there's so many channels now. You've got lots of options, so I don't think you have to feel restricted.
2: No, no, it's I re- really I, liberating I, in some ways. I, I think you're right, honestly, because. All too often we get caught where we're putting the cart before the horse, and if we're saying like the the campaign's power is the creative influence that it can drive that's mm-hmm. that's the power it's not you know the media the that, channel the the channel that brought it to life yeah if the dia is strong enough, it will transcend channels, yeah, naturally,
1: yeah. Yeah, that was another interesting thing that he had talked about was protecting the ideas as they yeah. kind of go into the organization, then come back out into production land. But um, yeah, I, I think it was really smart where you're trying to get buy-in from as high a level as you can early Yeah, to help protect that idea.
2: Yeah, and I've seen that work. <laughs> I've seen that not work. Uh, because yeah. then, you know, even if there is alignment, say at, on the onset of a campaign, when it comes to life, it may, because again, everyone's walking away with their own interpretation of what this is going right. to look like when it comes back and it's, it didn't check that box. That's yeah. just like, won, won. yeah, totally. Yeah. It's tough,
1: man. It's it tough to make, to make something that is, um creative and has multiple interpretations from multiple different people. Yeah. What they see in their head yeah. versus what their reality is. Yeah. So to get everybody excited about that at the end is, is not always as
2: simple as it sounds.
1: Never as simple it's as it sounds. It's never easy.
2: Yeah. Well, when you tie it back, if you think about like what the role of a marketer is, it is, you know, to essentially appeal to the largest audience possible for, Any given moment for, again, from a campaign perspective, right? So you have to solve for that. But along the way, you're also selling this to people in your organization that sometimes are more senior than you. Most of the time they're more senior than you. And you're always then working on those focus groups of their own, right? Mm -hmm. I I sent a video to my friend. He didn't like it. This is not going to work. Yeah. It's like, What? You're yeah. not the demographic. Doesn't yeah. matter. Or, or did you send
1: that buddy of yours the brief? <laughs> yeah, to show what the objective of the video was.
2: Exactly. It makes it hard. Yeah. It makes our roles, and and building that, trying to build that rapport internally as well, can sometimes mm-hmm. be exhausting, because yeah. I think we naturally want to think that you know. We have the creative freedom, we have that liberty, we've mm-hmm. been able to we've earned it because of our mm-hmm. careers that, you know, just just trust us this is going to work. Mm-hmm. Where it feels like more and more it is that uphill battle, um, uh, because mm-hmm. maybe we're losing that those battles in some of those forums mm-hmm. where, you know, maybe in the past we won.
1: Yeah. I know we haven't published uh Nicole's yeah. Uh, video yet, but there's some interesting tie ins now as I'm we're just trying to chat about this, trying starting to chat about this. And I'm yeah. thinking about the conversation we had, with Nicole, because some of the ideas around like the strategic objective of any asset is to create, uh or how'd she say it, the neurons that wire together, fire together, yeah. or fire together, wire together, some. fire
2: together, yeah. wire together. Yeah,
1: and the idea of like nudging or like hitting the consumer with a feather, <laughs> you know what I mean? like that. I think those was <laughs> some of the ideas that she had, but. Like when you think about the strategic ob- objectives that way, and video plays a role in doing that. Yeah. Um, it's I think it, and often sometimes we we expect a lot and we promise a lot uh, as a marketer. Like, yeah, we can turn around the company. We can you know generate sales today, and, and you know unless you've got your fifty percent off message to incentivize people to do something now i mean really yeah. it's not that simple and uh i just saw an article today from roger martin saying like there's a there's a whole bunch of things that people and companies can do one of them is like like you cannot make a customer do what you want them to do <laughs> like so put it in perspective like there's independent variables the things you can control and there's a yeah. dependent variable which is the customer and then like you can't you can't make them it like you can't make them do things that just because you want them to do things, yeah, and so you know a long winded story around back to video, like I think if we have an objective and we have reasons why we want to do things, we go into production, we make these assets that are intended to influence
2: mm-hmm.
1: remind build those memory structures like in a way, getting people to know your brand, know what you do. Mm-hmm. and how they can find you, like that's a huge victory
2: because most
1: people 100%. don't think twice about a company, right?
2: No, no. I, it was with uh, with Jorge and um, Graham. Graham. Where we talked about brands serve as a shortcut for our brains. Right. Like let that settle for a second. Like yeah. that's all a brand is. When you think about it and we're going to, we talk about emotion and oh my goodness, I feel so empowered and all these things. The reality is if it's a product specifically, you know, what it does for you is anytime you're interested in something that maybe that company or, you know, that the brand, you know, has, this is a shortcut for your brain. Like, yeah, let's just go pick it up. Mm-hmm. We, we've had great experiences multiple times. Mm-hmm. It's a no brainer. We're going to go buy it there. Done. Mm-hmm. That's all it's doing
1: hmm just reminding people that's it, and, and like that sounds insufficient in some ways, but it's really like a huge, huge, huge accomplishment to get yeah. that done.
2: anytime you yeah. can occupy space in a consumer's mind, you've won
1: yeah I was just ta- I was having a conversation with a couple of friends yesterday. I'm like, oh, when's the so-and-so's birthday?' Yeah. Like, oh, shit. Is it the 8th or the 12th? I can't remember. Like, that's a good friend of mine. I can't remember his birthday. <laughs> I'm like, how much time am I going to spend thinking about, like, this brand and, like, everything about them? You know, like. It's what, just not going to happen.
2: What is that line that you have? Uh, something around, like, we see, like, if, if we acted on every ad that we saw, we'd be broke or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, if yeah. advertising actually worked the way we think it always works. Like none of us would have money because if you think about the amount of ads we actually see in the day, we may not, you know, uh, create that, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Now I'm drawing a blank, but we may not in that moment really understand that, you know, what it is and what it's actually trying to do because we're not in the space to receive that ad mm-hmm. so to speak so like in market or out of market kind of thing that's know? a yeah. way better of saying it way better way of <laughs> saying it mark so thank you <laughs> but you know what i mean um yeah it's just you know we, we'd be broke <laughs> we got no yeah. money <laughs> totally
1: yeah i'd be buying all kinds of stuff like i saw an ad for like a b2b software tech software i'm like <laughs> yeah Okay, so sure. so what am I going to buy that? Because I just thought, no, exactly, yeah. Anyway, super interesting conversation. I'm I'm really yeah. glad we got a chance to chat, chat with John. Um, and it's, like so engaging, so fun.
2: Totally, Thanks, John. Yeah. I hope um I hope everything's okay because he did share that story about the tea towel rack, and I hope you know <laughs> yeah. he's not in trouble or anything with any of the British forces or anything. <laughs> that was so amazing. That was
1: really funny. <laughs> yeah. Okay, V.
2: All right, man. It's good chat. Thanks another. for the
1: pod again, and yeah, we'll look forward to doing this again.
2: Yeah, buddy. This was uh, another great conversation. And John, if you're listening, thanks, man. Really appreciate that. Don't forget, everyone, you get twenty percent off. Use um, use a promo code. We'll add it to the show long, show links um, uh, below, and uh, look to pick this up. It is a great read. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks, everyone.